Cancer Advances, a Cleveland Clinic podcast for medical professionals, exploring the latest innovative research and clinical advances in the field of oncology. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Cancer Advances. I'm your host, Dr. Dale Shepard, a medical oncologist here at Cleveland Clinic overseeing our TOSIC Phase 1 and sarcoma programs. Today, I'm happy to be joined by Dr. Yogan Santhara Raja, a hematologist in the Department of Translational Hematology and Oncology Research. He's here today to talk to us about a novel way to treat cancer by repairing cancer cells rather than destroying them. So welcome, Yogan. Thank you. Thank you, Dale. I'm very happy to be here. Good to see you. Glad you're here. Um, Maybe you can start off. Give us uh, a little idea. What's your role here at Cleveland Clinic? What do you do? So uh, I'm a practicing hematologist, oncologist, Dale. I see patients with blood diseases in the clinic. But I also run an NIH-sponsored laboratory where we do uh, research into trying to understand how cancers come to be and trying to use that understanding to develop better treatments for cancers and also some uh, other important blood diseases. Okay. So we're going to kind of focus today on this whole concept of repairing cancer cells. It's kind of something you don't think about all the time. Uh, Tell us a little bit about what that means. Yeah, you know, so Dale, if we step out for a moment and, you know, look at the landscape of, of medicine, right, uh, rheumatology, pulmonary, allergy, oncology, it's only in oncology, really, that we have this search and destroy sort of mindset and paradigm. And uh, and the reason we have that, that mindset is because uh, the diseases we deal with, i.e. I- cancers, uh, we really didn't understand for decades upon decades exactly how they came to be a cancer, right? So if you don't understand uh, what the machine is, uh, how can you even think about fixing it? So uh, it was bad and we didn't understand it, so we defaulted to search and destroy, you know? So it, it was very crude, Um and that's reflected in in how things pan out in the clinic, right? The treatments are uh, can be pretty brutal. They they can be tough, and they often, too often, do not work very well, you know. And uh, yeah, so uh, we don't do this in, in we don't do this in asthma, right? We don't say, hey, you've got asthma, you need a lung transplant, right? We say, well, the, those tubes are narrow. Let's uh, understand why the tubes are, are narrow, and let's uh, fix it. Let's make those tubes wide again. Um, we we really need to be doing that in cancer. We need to uh, move away from such and destroy to, hey, well, why have things gone wrong? Why is there this cancer, and how are we going to fix it? I, I would just point out, uh, you know, conceptually uh, an important detail here. Uh the cancer is not an invader. Like asthma, like rheumatoid arthritis, uh, uh, like diabetes, it's it's ourselves gone wrong. It's not an invasion by something foreign or something alien. You know, it is us. So we do need to understand how we went wrong so that we can fix ourselves rather than destroy ourselves. And I guess an extreme example of that trying to just eliminate everything would be in the past when we did transplants for breast cancer. Yes. The thought was that we just didn't give quite enough chemo, and if only we could give more. Yes, more search and destroy, right? right. Hey, not enough search and destroy, let's give more search and destroy. You know, the, the old uh, uh, 
uh, destroying the village to save it uh, yeah. mistake, you know? Yeah, it's an interesting concept. I mean, I, I oftentimes have discussions with patients that um, their expectation is that I eliminate all of their cancer, yeah. yet they've had diabetes or hypertension for 20 or 30 years and have never once asked, why right. isn't this cured? Right. And so it's right, a right, different mindset. Right. Yeah, yeah, right. There's, there's these mindsets, these ingrained habits of thinking, you know, that then even subconsciously set the agenda for all that follows. And these agendas are, you know, massive agendas, multi-billion dollar research agendas, treatment agendas, you know. So sometimes we need to step out and uh, uh, just examine some of these assumptions that, you know, underlie how we think about problems. Uh, yeah, this applies very much in the world of cancer. Yeah. So, so how do we how do we move toward repairing cells? What does that mean? Tell tell us a little bit about what you what you're trying to accomplish. Yeah. So, of course, it, it, we we need science, right? So, we need to understand what is a cancer. And again, let's uh, let's you know step out and take a, a sort of a big picture view, a view of the essentials or the fundamentals before we drown ourselves in in details, right? And the big picture is what is cancer? Is it's you know a high school student could tell us right if we asked a, a high schooler they'd say oh, okay cancer it's uh, cells that uh, just keep on growing and growing and they ba basically don't stop right that's what it is that, and that actually is what cancer is now let's uh, delve into that a little bit more cells growing and growing is actually entirely normal in fact it's essential. That's how we stay alive, right? To be alive is to replenish and regenerate continuously. And uh, so for we every day, we actually have billions of cells in our bodies that grow and grow. They have to do that just to maintain our skin and our gut and our bone marrows and, and everything, our brains, you know, everywhere. Um, the difference, though, is that in cancer, that process doesn't stop. Right, so it's actually to to refine the understanding. It's the, it's not a problem of growing and growing. It's a problem of not stopping because growing is normal, and uh, and really once once you realize that, it kind of opens up a lot of scientific doors towards understanding what are, what is the essential engine or foundation for carcinogenesis. You know, for cancers coming to be. Have you come up with any good targets yet? Tell us, me, tell us a little bit about right. the, the research you've done and some potential targets. Yeah, so, uh, so as, as I just alluded to, the problem is not stopping, right? And the, the, the main reason that those billions of cells in our bodies stop growing and growing is because they arrive at their final destination. So the reason they're growing and growing is so that they can replenish all the specialized cells that keep us alive, right? So the specialized skin lining cells, gut lining cells, the white cells that fight infections, the red cells that carry oxygen, the glial cells that maintain our, you know, nerve cells and our uh, brain cells. And so they grow and grow. They Each time they, they divide, they morph a little until finally they make the specialized cells that we need to be who we are. And... Uh, so cancer is a failure of that journey to proceed to completion. And this uh, we can actually see, you know, 
very simply. We can just look at a cancer under the microscope and, and we can actually see that. We can see a breast cancer is, is a breast cells that have failed to complete the journey to making a cell that makes milk. Uh, a brain cancer is cells that fail to complete the journey to make the glial cells that support the nerve cells that help us think, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So once you know that, you can actually focus on the machinery that enables that journey, right? So how is it that that a cell that wants to become a white cell to fight infection, how does it actually get there? And it turns out that to get there, um, the, the cell has to do a lot of unpackaging work. It has to unpackage all the genes that define what it is to be a white cell that fights infection. Those genes are actually packaged away because, you know, it's, all the cells in our body are on different journeys, right? Some cells want to be a kidney cell. Some cells want to be a white cell that fights infection. And these different types of genes are actually packaged away neatly to avoid confusion. But it does mean, therefore, that the cell that is on that particular journey needs to do work to unpackage. You know, it has to untie the ribbons and remove the, the wrapping paper, uh, take the stuff out of the box. Each one of those actions requires certain enzymes. And uh, what cancers do is almost universally, actually universally, one way or the other, they impact the function of that that those sorts of that sort of machinery, that sort of enzyme machinery. Now, like everything in life, you have you know enzymes or machines that do one thing, and then you have enzymes or machines that do the opposite, right? To maintain balance, yin yang, you know, positive negative, uh, as as in much of the cosmos, so in us, all right? So you have these these opposing groups of enzymes. And so cancers get rid of these enzymes that unpackage genes to, to complete journeys, to specialize cell fates, and they will simultaneously actually select in the process of, of evolution, you know, to become a mena cancer, they will select to amplify or gain in function of the enzymes that do the opposite, the stuff that keeps the genes packaged away in boxes. The, the genes to be the specialized white cell, et cetera, et cetera. So those guys, that latter set of, of characters, the fellas that actually are amplified, you know, they gain in uh, cancer, uh, those are the targets. So you have loss of function in one whole category or family of machines. It's really hard, you know, technically uh, to, to replace big machines that are missing right? It's, it's it's just technically not very feasible to have a pill that's going to go all around the body and, you know, replace big chunks of machinery. But it is relatively simple to break the guys that are now ha have a gain of function, that have unbalanced activity. You can get small molecules that will go in there and interfere with that, that opposing set of machines. Those are the targets for therapy that uh, allow us to fix, you know? So, uh, so I hope I didn't lose you there, but no. basically there's an imbalance, you know, in two different types of forces. That imbalance is created genetically. And what we do is we come along with drugs to, to rebalance the system, uh, not by replacing missing pieces, 
but by sort of uh, interdicting the fellas that now are uh, kind of overactive. Now, are there particular types of cancer you think will be best suited for this kind of treatment? Do you think hematologic malignancies where there's more clonality compared to solid tumors where there may be maybe more heterogeneous uh, sort of ways that they became cancers and response rates are, you know, maybe would suggest that there's more variability. So yeah, yeah. types right, of cancers that you think might be right, right. better suited? Great question. There's actually two levels for uh, two levels at which we can answer that question, right? So one, uh, one level is, hey, this, uh, this sort of uh, uh, model that you just proposed, Yogan for, you know, yin-yang, imbalance, uh, does it apply broadly in all cancers? Does it only apply in some cancers versus others? Uh, to answer that question, actually now with, you know, the genomics revolution, not that difficult. We can actually look at cancer genetics. And in cancer genetics, uh, it's universal, you know, so uh, any cancer, uh, all cancer, demonstrates this specific imbalance that the, um, amongst the, the genes that are most recurrently, you know, physically removed from cancers are genes for these machines that unpackage the, 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 the genes needed to become something specialized, to become that white cell to become that skin cell, to become that glial cell, to become that kidney cell. So the, the, basically the basic science is telling us that this, this is how everything is broke. Whatever the cancer, this is how it's broke. This is, this is a, a fundamental element in how cancers come to be cancers. Of course, there's lots of other stuff going on, right? It's evolution and there's all sorts of... Other, but this is fundamental, you know. Uh, just the the frequency with with which these the uh, this machinery is just black and white uh, destroyed, ejected from cancer cells, uh, says this to us. So that's that's one level of answering the question. Now the next level is, hey, you got a drug that you know a small molecule that somebody can eat. And um, the goal, the dream is that it's going to get into the cancer uh, to fix the, the guys that are now have unopposed action, right? The, the fellows who, uh, because of their unbalanced activity, are driving the, the cancer phenotype. And that's actually easier to do for liquid cancers. You know, liquid cancers are kind of floating around, and uh, because they aren't sitting in place with a, a, a fixed blood supply and a fixed structure around them, they're hungry. They eat, eat stuff that's, that's in their environment, and that will include our drugs, you know? And so that's a big element of why, you know, uh, with some drugs, it's, they, they, they work better for treating blood cancers, the kinds of uh, cancers that, that I see in my clinic, uh, versus the kinds of cancers you see in your clinic, you know. Um, so the, the answer there is uh, the science tells us that, 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 the, that this, it operates both your cancers and my cancers, but we need, to, we need better drugs, basically. We need to understand, you know, what are the impediments to getting the putative solutions, right, the scientifically uh, sensible uh, fixes 
but then we need drug science, you know? So basically there's, there's a whole arena and world of science that's focused on under, understanding the genetics and the biochemistry of a cancer cell. There's a whole other world of science, and that's centered around understanding how a drug, you know, how it gets into the body, how it moves around the body, which tissues it, it uh, is a, able to penetrate, how long it stays in a, any particular type of cell. That's a whole different world of science related to, you know, drug metabolism and transporters and uh, all sorts of other stuff. And, and we need to also master that. And, and so, uh, you know, as if we needed another layer of complexity, but really, we really you, 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 need, you need to address, <laughs> you, need, uh, you need to do both if you actually are going to take that science and turn it into better treatments for patients. So I guess from a, thinking about a solid tumors, you mentioned before about their fixed fixed blood supplies. Yeah. Are, we, are we thinking that, that if someone's identified to have a cancer, that maybe the approach would be some element of traditional treatment to get rid of what's there, but some element of a newer type of treatment to prevent further growth? And so maybe something to block growth, but also to get rid of what might be present or... Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, insofar as our traditional treatments uh, do have activity, of course, uh, I think that makes sense. I, I, I'll be honest, okay, my my dream, you know, what what keeps me uh, up at night and wakes me up in the, in the morning, you know, after a fitful rest <laughs> is, uh, I mean, I want, I want a world where uh, we have five drugs, you know, that all fix and none destroy. So nobody's hair is falling out, nobody's throwing up, you know, there's no pictures of kids with, with bald heads and having to wear a scarf, you, you know what I mean? Uh, I, I, I want us to get to that world. I believe the science is telling us uh, that world is possible. You know, actually, uh, to be, to give you my frank opinion, Dale, I think we have the science already. It's the drug science where we are way behind, you know. It's the the drug science aspect here. I think the the uh, the actual genetic science and the biochemical science, it's it's hard to argue with. It's like it's the genetics. We have we have tens of thousands of genomes of cancers, you know, and we can just see what's what and uh uh and we need to just see that clearly. It's there for everyone. You know, you can just go online and you can gaze upon it. Uh, the the hard part is we need to develop the drugs. It's it's too easy to uh, to say, hey, you know what? Uh, I just want stuff that's going to damage cancer cells and destroy them. Right? It's it's actually not that hard uh, in terms of hey, if you want to, you know feel happy with your that you've done something productive you can take cancer cells in the your your drug company laboratory and you can add you know anything almost anything and you'll kill them and you say hey i'm killing cancer the challenge is we can't we can't kill the patients you know we have to it's the challenge is is to get the bad guys and not the good guys and for that uh, you you need precision you need the, to have the right targets you ask me what are the targets you need to have the right targets that when you engage those targets, the cancer relies on them, but normal cells don't. These unbalanced enzymes that I just talked about, uh, they are in that category. 
because when you when you engage those targets in a normal cell, a normal cell is already on the journey to becoming you know, a specialized white cell or specialized kidney cell or whatever. So when you engage those targets that, that you know, uh, that, that enable genes to be unpackaged, they just unpackage stuff they were going to unpackage anyway. It's in the cancer cell where they're relying and dependent on these enzyme targets to prevent the unpackaging of the genes that would complete their journey, Right would take them to the terminus and they would stop traveling. Uh, they don't, they, they don't want to do that because they want to keep on growing. That's their evolutionary drive. But if you inhibit these enzymes, they complete the journey. So it, it, gets, it gets the cancer. The cancer is, is predicated on, on, on this uh, defect, um, but it doesn't damage normal cells. So long as your drugs are you know, specific and you, you're dosing them right and all of that. So it's, it's the drug science. Um, uh, shockingly, they'll, today as we sit here, there are, I can think of only three drugs on planet Earth that have the ability to engage these targets that, that uh, we're talking about without damaging, uh, you know, without doing stuff that we don't want, you know. And there's only three molecules on Earth. That and sounds like course, a big gap. Huh? That sounds like a big That's gap. That's a big gap. Man, we have, we have hundreds of molecules uh, that the goal of which is to damage stuff, right? Hey, damage the DNA, damage the RNA, damage the proteins, damage the, the membranes, damage the cytoskeleton, you know, uh, plus radiation. Uh, hundreds. But we have just three molecules, three molecules that, that, can, that a human being can take in the clinic and they have the possibility of operating in the manner that I just talked about. And all of those three molecules have profound uh, pharmacology limitations. You know, they're scientifically sound in terms of the targets they engage, the effects they can produce, but because of how they are absorbed and distributed in a human body, or a mouse body for that matter, they don't get into most cancers. They get into some, you know, and they have critical roles for treating some cancers, but they, they just don't get into most uh, cancer cells. How do we know? change the paradigm? How do we how do we make a shift? I mean, yeah, you're, you're data, absolutely man. right. I mean, data, we... data. So the, the the great great thing about uh, science is it's conservative, but you know, but necessarily so. But it yields to data, and that's why you know that's why we publish, right? That's why we we put in years and years of work and go through all that painful peer review and the rejections, blah blah. You know, so eventually get get the data out there, yeah. and with time, with years, you know, more and more people recognize the data. Ultimately, the most important data is clinical trial data, right? So is to uh, get the science to the point where you can have a new drug that goes into the clinic and actually does uh, save lives without hair falling out and throwing up and all that stuff. And, uh, and then people will really begin to notice, you know. So we, we just need to uh, stay in the game, you know, and persevere and generate data, and uh, uh, we will get there. If you uh, if you had your crystal ball, how how long until we have such a drug? I don't think it's going to be that long, Dale. I, I'd say like five years. We're we're going to have more and more. We actually already have. A, you know, when I said there are three drugs, I was really thinking about drugs that that in theory should be effective broadly in against cancers. You know. 
There's actually a few others that uh, work in this paradigm, sort of this repair paradigm, but for very narrow subtypes of cancers defined by very specific genetic abnormalities. You know, a famous one is a type of leukemia that has a translocation of the retinoic acid receptor. We have two drugs there. I mean, they, they produce a 95% cure rate, okay? That's that's how powerful this underlying science of biology is. Mm-hmm. But they only work in that particular leukemia, you know, for for biochemical reasons. So we basically need drugs in that paradigm, but which work broadly, engage very broadly the, the specific enzymes that all these cancers are relying on to prevent them completing their journeys to being something specialized. You know, we're, we're going to get there five five years, okay? All right, but five years. I will have you year. back here in five years. Yeah, yeah, maybe we'll once talk a year, all about it. <laughs> I'll well, give you progress reports. <laughs> yeah, I'm well, having you, so much fun. You have to bring me back once. There again. you go. Well, I mean, it's uh, it's great to, that people like yourself thinking of really novel ways to treat cancers. Keep up the the passion, the good work, and yeah. and uh, and we'll have you back in five years to talk all about it. Okay, Dale. All right. Thank you, sir. Thank, Thank you. you much. To make a direct online referral to our Tossig Cancer Institute, complete our online cancer patient referral form by visiting clevelandclinic.org slash cancer patient referrals. You will receive confirmation once the appointment is scheduled. This concludes this episode of Cancer Advances. You will find additional podcast episodes on our website, clevelandclinic.org slash cancer advances podcast. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, SoundCloud, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And don't forget, you can access real-time updates from Cleveland Clinic's Cancer Center experts on our ConsultQD website at consultqd.clevelandclinic.org cancer. Thank you for listening. Please join us again soon.